0: plant over here with the virus and it's saying hey i got plenty of infected aphid over here how are you doing they're like hey i got plenty of infected aphids over here too and they're like hey let's stop producing winged aphids then because all the cucumbers are going to die if we keep creating more mm-hmm. winged aphids
1: a couple episodes back we talked about the mimic vine which could change its shape to look like other plants or Ooh.
0: what if it's a virus in the plant that's causing that? Is that where you were going?
1: Bramble conspiracy. Uh no, <laughs> but that's an interesting concept.
0: Take it or leave it go. Is that the start? Yeah. Are we starting? Yeah, well, we're timing it, so we got to go. Right.
1: <laughs> I'm Nick Farrington. I'm Ethan Weiss. And this is the Take It Early Fit podcast. We're going to talk about a couple things today, but our main topic, after we tell a couple recent stories of an event that we went to, mm-hmm. the topic that you found is on...
0: Viruses and their direct and indirect, but mostly direct, association with wings on aphids. So yeah. essentially, viruses causing...
1: Plant specific
0: virus. A plant specific virus causing aphids to grow wings when um, they
1: otherwise might not have.
0: Right. And so we'll go into depth in that as, as just very. I find it fascinating. Just another one of those things where delved into multiple scientific journals so that you didn't have to. Right. We did the research so you didn't have to and found that this was just a really interesting topic. I mean, if you are a gardener, you are aware of aphids. Right. It is probably one of the most common pests that you will interact with. And a lot of times they're not. It would take a probably serious infestation to kill a lot of your plants. This isn't going to advocate control of aphids. Yeah, we
1: talked about that in our garden insect and disease Mm -hmm. management, our two-part episode, I don't know, somewhere earlier on in episodes like 5 through 10, somewhere in that window. Yeah. So if you're interested in learning more specifically about aphids, which are a piercing, sucking insect. Very small.
0: They cluster. mm -hmm. Major food source for lady beetles. So if you end up seeing any ladybugs or lady beetles on a plant and you notice a lot of them, there's a good chance that you also have aphids on that plant, in which case don't spray. Let the ladybugs do their job.
1: And they can be lots of different colors. They can be plant specific or not. Usually yellow aphids, green aphids, mm wooly aphids,
0: brown aphids, white
1: aphids black mm-hmm. yep, charcoal gray everything usually roughly the size of like what a sesame seed and yeah. like a round yeah. oval and they like to
0: be usually towards they're pretty stupid so they don't hide themselves <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> once you have a pretty big aphid infestation they make themselves very visible
1: yeah. sometimes like well usually on the new growth so at the yes. tips of the leaves of the plant mm-hmm, which are on the full stems. of all the
0: growth hormones the new foliage is flooded with the nutrients they're pushing nutrients into that new foliage so that it can harden off and thrive and continue to promote new growth at those sections so because of all that available nutrition that's there and also the plant nice is soft because it's softer new. and weaker it's easier for these aphids with their little weedy weedy wee, wee mouth parts to um
1: to penetrate and access those available nutrients. Sometimes you have a a bright green stem and a bunch of bright yellow aphids and it's like, well, there you are yeah <laughs> as I said, they're not the smartest thing no
0: i mean and they're not like you know like other things will hide or yeah. have evolved to be kind of camouflaged and hard yeah. to spot not a lot of aphids they're,
1: <laughs> they're <laughs> around because they can reproduce really fast very fast
0: yeah right yeah so yeah but they're a great food source for lots of critters and we talked about in the previous episode too about how the ants will kind of farm aphids yeah. for their little butt juice which yep. is honeydew and the, the aphids like kind of farm them like cattle. Yeah. So ladybugs, cool.
1: lace wings, are common predators. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and ants will fight ladybugs. It's so, so cool. They have the food oh, source. I, I could just like, cool. like totally back into that again. I'm I just know. fascinated. I really like if I got more into horticulture, I could see myself pursuing entomology versus pursuing further educating myself in horticulture because oh, yeah. that world is just. Immense, Just like horticulture. But anyway, even though it's another bug topic, which is going to be very easy for us to talk about because Mm -hmm. they're bugs and they're fun. But this is so closely related to plants, not just because aphids feed on plants, but because the viruses are coming from plants and infecting the aphids
1: seem to line using up using the aphids as a way to further spread the virus right very cool
0: oh so anyway yep that's the very long
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's the long that's short the trailer version. for what you're yeah. going to
0: listen to later but so but before we get into that yeah we're going to talk about some of the other things that we did
1: yeah when i came down to record one of the reasons that we picked this particular weekend was so that we could go to an event at missouri botanic garden which was the best of Missouri market so lots of local food and alcohol beverage vendors crafts different fine arts jewelry ceramics all sorts of stuff you name it huge event tons dozens of people and
0: dozens and dozens of vendors
1: yes and
0: and not like cheap craft sh**
1: either. like right.
0: Like really nice stuff. Right. These weren't just people who painted already made mugs. These are people who made the mugs. Right. <laughs> so I'm just saying that because I've been to some craft shows around here. I'm like, oh, it's just Michael's stuff. <laughs> he just bought that at Hobby Lobby and colored it. I'm not interested.
1: Right. <laughs> so one of the things that we both ended up buying quite a few pieces from was the booth for Mississippi. Oh, Mississippi
0: Mississippi Mud Pottery. Yes.
1: And one of the things that drew us in was they had a lot of plant focused. I'm sure they they obviously knew their audience with this event, but plant themed or plant inspired ceramic pieces, whether that be Plates or bowls or dishes or wall hangings, little ceramic trays, all that kind of thing.
0: Well, you could tell they threw, like they threw clay and they molded clay, but a lot of what they sold was from pressed clay, mm-hmm. um, where they like obviously slab rolling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they they were pressing leaves and other types of flora into the clay before shaping it and then glazing. glazing it. So cool. And the fact that they were using actual plants Mm -hmm. meant that many of the things that they were creating were unique.
1: Right. It seemed like they would use that plant probably one time to make that pressing into the clay before Mm -hmm. glazing and shaping. Very neat. Very neat one-off loved
0: their stuff and such a fair price. I mean, if I had words of advice, I'd say like... Raise your price, guys. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the I bought,
1: demand was definitely there. Oh, their booth was full. I bought, what, three pieces, and you bought... Three pieces. Three pieces as well, yeah.
0: Yeah, you found these cool dishes that had, like, pressed like grass trays. and grass flowers in mm-hmm. there. And, yeah, really cool trays. And then I picked three pressed leaves mm-hmm. oh no two press leaves and then i bought one of the pumpkins that they had made, right which right. was just like a throne looked like they had probably made it on a turntable mm-hmm. and or wheel. Wheel. Yeah, a wheel yeah wheel and then just kind of shaped it to look like a pumpkin and super cool but then i got a sassafras leaf which was very obvious like a wall a sassafra- hanging kind yeah. of
1: piece yeah
0: and then got another really cool unique piece that i was just so drawn
1: to And just like a branch with kind of three main pieces off of it. And then many leaves Mm -hmm. on there pressed into this very organically shaped wall hanging.
0: And they use and we'll post a picture of it because. Yes. We have a question for our Facebook and Instagram followers because we don't know what the hell it is.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You bought it and then we showed it to your wife, Lindsay. Uh huh. And she was like, oh, is this for
0: us? And I was like, no, I'm giving that to my mom. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit, my mom's going to listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, mom, uh, I'm not. <laughs> I have something for you that Sur- you will find out about. Surprise. <laughs> surprise, mom.
1: <laughs> and the world will see what it is because we're posting it. Yeah. Well, yeah. she'll see it, too. She follows us on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we've just we ended up spending two. Well, so what happened was we were looking at this and showing this to Lindsay and she had said, Hey, what kind of plant is this? And we were looking and realized we didn't know Huh. we, yeah. And so we spent what an hour or two scouring photos online Mm -hmm. to try to, it seems like it's probably in the tree or shrub category based on the branching.
0: And every time we thought we were getting close to it. We would be like, no, that doesn't match this, or that doesn't match this. We'd be like, oh, that looks like. And then we realize, oh, no, those leaflets are opposite and these are alternate mm-hmm. or no the new growth on the foliage you know that singular leaf is coming up and this is showing that like a basal formation is coming out where multiple leaves are emerging Where obviously on this one one leaf emerges at a time and then matures and then another new growth comes off of it but and it's tough
1: too because this you know we don't know what the shape of this was before it was pressed flat into the clay so right. that is kind of a a weird outlier to try to figure out what maybe the shape of this was because maybe it wasn't totally flat. But after a couple hours scouring the internet looking at photos... And partway through this, you had grabbed your copy of the Durr Manual, which is the tree and shrub Bible of the horticulture world.
0: Pretty much, especially Uh, here in the Midwest. I don't know, maybe there's other books for the East Coast or the West Coast or Southern North America. But yeah, for us here in the Midwest, Dr. Michael Durr, who taught as a professor at the University of Illinois in Chicago, his book, which is a thousand plus pages, is this go-to resource for so much plant information it is fascinating the amount of in-depth descriptions go into this where don't get wrong internet is great especially if you know how to use it in the world of horticulture but this book is so easy to use Especially if you've, you know, got a little bit of basic understanding of how to use it to identify plants on the fly. The problem is is it's freaking massive. So it's not like a back pocket little journal you can bust out.
1: Yeah, it's what, almost three inches
0: thick? Oh, man. Yeah, I would say it's probably thicker than the width of my wrist. Yeah. So, I mean, it's
1: it's a big book. The pages that actually show plant-specific information are roughly like 1,500 pages. I I got so into this. I'm like, I am going to flip through every single page. Because there's a picture. He has a hand-drawn, mm-hmm. anatomically
0: correct, usually two-scale picture of a leaf and or multiple leaves mm-hmm. for every genus not every species but every genus so essentially the most common and or the main
1: like the most representative
0: exactly yeah and so you were kind of just going through and you have no skin on two of your fingers now from skimming (laughs) 1500 pages i looked
1: at every single page and this plant is not in there yeah, not but, that and, I could tell.
0: And it is, you know, we also took into consideration that it is a pressed, glazed piece. So there are parts of the leaf, as far as possible serration and the margin of the leaf, that, that might not be get. representative. Right. And so we understand, and also with the way that the leaves could have been pressed into the clay, might not be how that plant naturally
1: looked. Right. But, All of this to say, wow, Do we have too much free time to look through books (laughs) We I busted
0: out three of my books that I commonly use for actual references that are safe to use if you were doing any sort of paper and turning it in for a grade. These books would be safe to use, and those are my go-to ones, and we scoured them and looked through them, not to mention ours. Lindsay, my wife, got into it. She's scouring, and we're all just sitting there, she helped us for an hour yeah before she was like i gotta go to bed guys and then we kept going you longer than i yeah i saw like you went robotic um and i'm like i have uh, we must terminate john connor (laughs) (laughs) i'm in too deep of this yeah and i was like i can't anymore i'm i'm losing well it was like one o'clock in the morning yeah it went on for a while right and but couldn't find an answer
1: So, all of this to say, at some point in the next week or so, we will be posting a photo. I took a picture of this and we'll post it to the socials. And hopefully, one of you, our listeners, maybe if you are as nerdy as we are, will take a dive in this or just recognize it right away. It looks so familiar to me, but I still cannot place it. And there were several
0: things that we were like, this is it. But then upon closer inspection, not quite right. Oh,
1: that doesn't quite
0: match right you know we'd get close and then realize no that can't be it Mm -hmm. so you know it's not like the sassafras leaf which is very obvious to us uh very obviously to us a sassafras leaf because of the dramatic kind of i always refer to it as like the t-rex footprint Mm -hmm. um leaf that three Pronged, where we we talked about sassafras, I think, before in another or the kind of mitten shape. they yeah. can have three leaf Either shapes: the elliptical, the oval leaf, the the leaf that looks like a mitten, or the leaf that looks like a dinosaur footprint. Yeah, and often all on one branch. Yeah. So anyway, and some of the other plants, you know, we were able to identify those, like burdock or grapevine, or obviously maples and oak leaves. But this particular
1: leaf, no clue, really throwing us for a loop. So. Yep. Which is unusual, and what is the chance that that was the piece you picked? And we have no clue what it is. I was
0: so attracted to it. Yeah, it was the only piece like it. Yeah, I, do you think we? I just bring it into Mobot. I was like, "Hey, I bought this at one of your vendors that you approved. <laughs> right. You need to help me identify I mean, what this we, is." We
1: even went on, and I will, I will post a link to their website because they have really cool stuff, and we want to give them a shout out because they had. Such nice pieces, and we talked to the two owners for a bit, and super friendly, very nice people, Mm -hmm. and wonderful artists. So we want to give them a little plug. But we even went on to their Facebook page to look at photos of the booth from the event to try to their Instagram and their Facebook and their website. Because my thought was (laughs) maybe by seeing all the types, like okay, sassafras is an understory tree, and. Some of the burdock leaves like, OK, that's kind of like a weedy kind of grassland fence line kind mm-hmm. of plant that you tend. So we were trying to even narrow down like what type of area they this could have been, been searching for. Yeah, right. Or searching in and collecting their plants from. And we I mean. Yeah. I was we also went, hoping that maybe
0: on their on their website they might have like shown they they just have pictures of their pottery which is great. I'm, i this is not saying you need to do this uh, Mississippi mud, but I was <laughs> thinking that maybe on one of their social pages or their website they might have pictures like of, of the process of the leaves yeah. that they found to do this work on, or the process. In which case, I could find maybe the leaf prior to it being turned into this ceramic piece. hmm you know, being able to better identify certain characteristics of it. But I couldn't find anything like that. They didn't have any of their foliage that they utilized for these projects. And uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. We went down that rabbit hole for for a long time. Yeah. To no avail. So Internet, be ready to help us out. Yep. We'll edit all that out. Yeah. So
1: moving on. (laughs) None of that is worthwhile keeping. No, (laughs) (laughs) but I'll leave that part in, though. So that they'll know that we cut out a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ethan, do you hear that? What? Oh, it's an ad.
0: Real quick, thanks for listening to our episode today. You can stay in touch with us by supporting us
1: on Patreon. We are at patreon.com slash take it or And we'll have bonus content on Patreon for all of our subscribers there where you can get extra episodes and snippets from the show that we don't release to all the other platforms.
0: You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at TakeItOrLeafItPod. And you can also visit our website, TakeItOrLeafItPod.com. If you have any questions or comments or any stories you'd like us to research or talk about or... Hell, send us a picture of a plant you want us to identify. You can send that information to show at takeit or com. You can also follow us on our individual Instagrams. I am at Hortwise H O R T W I S E.
1: And I am at N Farringdon N F A R R I N G D O N.
0: Thanks so much. We'll get back to the episode. Oh, you got me. yeah so anyway now we're into aphids Mm -hmm. and uh since we already kind of talked and got nerdy right at the beginning about what we're talking about just reeling it back in this is the discussion of viruses plant-based viruses and how they affect the growth of wings yep and or encourage the growth of wings on
1: aphids which
0: is just fascinating
1: so to add a little backstory Aphids can, on their own, produce offspring that are winged or unwinged, Mm -hmm. depending on environmental conditions. Usually, say the host plant that they're eating off of is too crowded, there are too many aphids then those adults, when they reproduce, they will produce babies that have wings when they mature mm-hmm. so that they can fly to other host plants that are less crowded. Mm-hmm. So makes sense. You, know, you don't want to overdo it and deplete your food source. Um, or if
0: like there's a predator or something mm-hmm. and they realize this place is not safe anymore, my eggs need to have this gene. Right. When they hatch, they'll have wings and they'll disperse.
1: So even there, within just the aphid's own genetics, it's considered to be a plastic trait. It's essentially malleable. They can kind of tweak this based on those external conditions. Mm -hmm. So what they have found, though, is that several plant viruses have developed the ability, so they're present in some type of plant. Mm -hmm. Some of them are plant-specific, others not so much. But they have developed this ability to alter parts of the plant's genetics to make the plant more attractive to aphids, and the virus, once it's in the aphid, because the the aphid is piercing and sucking the plant, so then the aphid becomes a carrier, a vector for this virus, the viruses then have the ability to influence the aphid's reproduction So that more of their babies tend to have the winged trait, whether they would have on their own or not, you know, maybe maybe that plant isn't overly populated and on its own without the influence of the virus, the aphid would produce babies that don't have wings because they there's no need for them to disperse yet to another host but when they're infected with this virus, the virus will make them produce babies with wings so that those babies fly, carrying the virus to other plants to infect and keep continuing to spread virus to other plants. Very crazy feature, not only to alter the aphids, but to alter the plants genetically to make them more attractive, attract more aphids. Yeah, aphids it, was, it was one thing very to... Wild.
0: To read about the virus in the plant affecting the aphid, yep, it was another thing to learn that the virus was also manipulating the plant's genetics to make it more attractive and or make it weaker, lowering the plant's defenses, mm-hmm. making it more susceptible to aphid damage, all for the benefit, benefit in quotes, of the aphid. When really it's of course the virus that's benefiting. You know what a virus want. It's all DNA essentially is what a virus is, and it just wants to reproduce. But that was so cool to like get this grasp of. And there's this portion in uh, one of the articles that really went in depth. I won't read it verbatim or anything. But yeah, essentially, what it can do, some of these viruses can prey upon the fact that not only the aphid is using visual, but also olfactory cues, so smell, and it can aff- or receptor right. of
1: some of these compounds, right?
0: Yep. And so it's changing the volatile, the, the VOC, so the the volatile um, organic organic compounds. compounds. Mm-hmm which you were going to clarify that, you know, VOCs, I think a lot of times people associate to man-made chemicals
1: and like aerosols. Yeah. So these chemicals are often today, especially as global climate change becomes or continues to be a very hot topic that's discussed very frequently. A lot of times you'll see VOCs referred to in relation to usually Chemicals that are have a negative impact on the environment. Mm -hmm. So that is a different distinction from volatile organic compounds in relation to plants, because that can be. A pheromone, some sort of compound that the plant is releasing, which when it goes in the air, it can spread and then be, that's the volatile portion, right? Of it. Be picked up by receptors of other plants or be recognized by the aphid, so on. So, just wanted to make that distinction between the VOCs we're talking about and the VOCs that you might see in relation to you environmental know, environmental issues, yeah. yeah. But yeah,
0: it'll affect the plant's VOCs, so this chemical that is released through whatever portion of the plant, whether it's the flower or the leaf, or it can roots, but aphids aren't, you know, they're attracted to either the flower or the leaf. And change those to be something that is attractive to the aphid and or change the color. So this virus... Of
1: the leaves and stems.
0: Right, so... A virus can cause the growth or the increased likelihood of wings on aphids. So like you said, they produce offspring that have this trait, more likely will have this trait to grow wings. And then as that aphid now infected with the virus goes to another plant and infects that plant with the virus again, the virus will then change the leaf color, making it more yellow. And that Not yellow, always, but it can, depend on, on the virus. On the virus. Yep. And that yellow coloration being more attractive to certain types of aphids, bringing more of them naturally to it, mm-hmm. and then starting this whole process over again, these aphids now become infected with the virus, they get the wings, they move on to the next plant, so on, so forth, you know, this cyclical and, cycle. And like
1: you mentioned too, the virus can also alter the plant structurally in that Essentially, it seemed like making some of those cell walls and some of the hardening off of the new growth weaker. Yep, just weakening its defenses. So that it's easier to be pierced and sucked on by, you know, that's the main action that these aphids do. So the plant is can both be attracting more aphids based on color and pheromone, and then also be weaker and more susceptible once the aphids arrive. So it is really fascinating how... This, this virus, virus. could be manipulating all areas of both the plant and what the aphid is on doing. On
0: multiple levels. Mm-hmm. Not just the aphid, but the plant itself on possibly multiple degrees. Uh, I mean, that I don't know what else to say other than just keep saying the same thing over and gun. That is fascinating. That is yeah. such a cool discovery to make and realize that this virus is so fine-tuned with its environment that it knows exactly what it needs to do to manipulate multiple living things to be able to
1: help itself procreate and again you're saying it but can be multiple types of plant viruses just to clarify
0: right it as an all-inclusive it for multiple viruses and and one of the articles that we have is multiple viruses that they have discovered there's eight viruses just in this one scientific journal where they have discovered that that virus on particular plants has been found to increase the wing
1: production of aphids and And again i will link these articles they are from scientific journals so abstract and research studies the whole thing so it can be kind of dry if you're into that it will definitely be there in the episode description for you guys to take a look we're kind of just really summarizing the main points of these to make it a little more palatable yeah they had to be like no ethan i was like
0: earlier before we did the episode i was like i could just read this whole scientific article verbatim for the podcast and lose all the listeners but it's so fascinating The amount of time that went into this, the research that went into this, even some of the hypotheses that weren't well, there wasn't enough data collected on them, but uh, to necessarily rattle off in this podcast. But some of the other things that are going to be further studied now that we have a better understanding and or a more finite understanding of what's happening with these viruses and the aphids, there's now way more things to learn the more we stay in
1: tune with what's happening. And it's worth noting too, I know a couple episodes back, we talked about the mimic vine, which could change its shape to look like other plants. Or what if it's a virus in the plant that's causing that? Is that
0: where you were going? Bramble conspiracy.
1: Uh, No, (laughs) but that's an interesting concept. I just also want to throw in that You know, we don't think of plants as communicating, just like we don't think of plants as being able to see, but Mm -hmm. like we mentioned in the mimic vine, how it could, and you'll have to go back and listen to get more of that, it could mimic the shape of an artificial plant. Right. So we know there's no pheromone involved. Exactly. In a controlled environment, no pheromone involved because it's a plastic plant that it was mimicking. Just like we don't think of plants as being able to, quote, quote, see, like is potential for the mimic vine we don't know yet there have also been a lot of studies done to show how much plants really do communicate through these chemical signals and one of those ways is if a plant is being attacked or eaten on by say aphids they can release a chemical to signal to other plants around them hey there is a pest here you need to start producing more of a chemical, a certain chemical or a group of chemicals to make yourself less appealing or taste bad to that particular insect. So there is a lot of communication happening between plants that just in the last few decades we're beginning to understand. And that could be a whole other episode on its own, but there's a lot more going on with plants and insects than really they get credit for.
0: Oh, it's just so cool and a never-ending world of learning. Yep. So anyway, yeah, that's that's our fun little snippet. Plant virus causing winged manipulation in aphids on top of manipulating the plants to make it more attractive or vulnerable to
1: aphids. To continue spreading itself. So cool. And as a final note before we wrap up here, you had also seen that they were studying the fact that the virus also doesn't want to spread itself too quickly.
0: That was one of the hypotheses Yeah, that they were saying, like it needs to be for, more data needs to be collected. Mm-hmm. But yes, they're also saying that in certain viruses, one of the ones studied was the cucumber mosaic virus mm-hmm. was that they have documented some level of control that the virus is, it has that after it is infected enough aphids, it stops the trait, that whatever trait that's being manipulated to create the wings, it's inhibiting that so that once enough aphids have been infected, it stops that from not the infection, the virus is still in the plant, but the trait is inhibited that produces the wings. And the idea, the hypothesis is that it is doing that to limit the amount of aphids that do get wings. Because it doesn't want to oversaturate the environment with winged aphids that have this virus, because if it does, then that virus will lose its
1: plant host. Right, because if there are too many aphids, yeah, if there are too many aphids over-consuming too many plants and potentially killing those host plants... Then the virus dies too. The aphid can't spread because it doesn't have a host, and the virus can't spread to a host because there's no host.
0: right. So somehow it is able, and possibly through VOCs that as the virus manipulates the plant genetics and can now control chemical pheromone reactions that are released from that plant. You know, I think the hypothesis was suggesting that it's using the plant to communicate essentially the, the tin can connected to a tin can with a string mm-hmm. and it's releasing the virus in this plant over here is vicariously communicating through the plant To this plant over here with the virus and it's saying hey I got plenty of infected aphid over here how are you doing they're like hey I got plenty of infected aphids over here too and they're like hey let's stop producing winged aphids then because all of our plant you know all the cucumbers are going to die if we keep creating more Mm -hmm. winged aphids therefore they reduce that it's just And obviously we're oversimplifying it. There's much more to this, but that is the gist Mm -hmm. of, of what this hypothesis is saying, which is even to me and to you way more interesting that the virus has that level of self-awareness to be able to
1: control over the whole process
0: to be able to do that.
1: Holy crap. That is just not only is the virus manipulating a plant, it is manipulating another organism in a totally different you're taking flora you're Mm -hmm. manipulating flora and now the insect you're manipulating fauna Mm -hmm. to be able to have that impact across totally unrelated species is wild yeah that gives you guys an idea just it's absolutely incredible some of this stuff that we come across in the horticulture world
0: so yeah if there's any um doctors listening to our podcasts that study entomology <laughs> and plant physiology, uh, we would love uh, some, uh, or I guess you could be a, you could have a master's I guess, but yeah, anyone who this is their topic of study. If you're a listener or a follower, we would love to talk to you more in depth about this. This is so cool to me.
1: Definitely. I think that pretty much wraps us up on the virus topic. Yep. You want to close this out? Nope. Nope. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. Nope. So, what do you, what you, do you want me to do it?
0: Yeah. I'm not going to say anything. I'm waiting You're, for you oh, to do it. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Should I leave in these long, awkward pauses? No. No, I'll cut them out. Okay. <laughs> I'll cut it really close together so it looks like we made this decision really quick in 10 okay. seconds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Horde Homies, that has been this week's episode of the Take It or Leave It podcast. I'm Nick Farrington. I'm Ethan Wise. And we will talk to you guys next week. Goodbye. Bye.